0: You know, I kind of grew up in church. Not kind of, I definitely did. Um, I grew up in church. I've been at this church since I was five years old, since I moved from Brazil. Um, And for a long time, I'll be honest with you, church to me was, was, it felt like an obligation. It felt like what mattered the most is how many ministries I'm a part of. How am I serving the Lord with the gifts and talents that I have, you know? Church was all about, I need to do this. I need to check that weekly task list. If I went to church, I served in this and this ministry. I was needed in this and this place. And it became, to a certain extent, oppressive. I'll be honest with you. It became more of a burden than joy. And it's, it's crazy because that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus. That's not what Jesus intended when he started a church. That's not what Jesus wanted out of the community of faith that he, that he desired to build. You know, and so we declare this in family church because we really firmly believe it. We're about changing a culture here in this new season. If, you, if, you're, if you're not yet in tune with what God is doing, he's, he's, he's stripping us of falsehood, and he's trying to build a foundation out of a simpler gospel, out of a simpler message. That is the whole reason behind this this vision series. He's stripping us of, of things that we've been doing wrong, and we have to be honest with ourselves. To what extent have we actually lived out this value? Oftentimes, people come secondary to things. Oftentimes, people come secondary to things. and we And, and, and we live this in New York, in a city that it's so crazy. You know, my, my wife shared this the other day. She said, you know, um, I often go get out of the train or I'm, I'm, I'm on, you know, a busy street and people just become obstacles for me to get to my destination. I'm trying to get to work faster. I'm trying to get to the restaurant as quickly as possible. And people, all they are, they're just in the way. People are just in the way Sometimes. And a dear friend of ours, um, she shared. She's a senior like manager at a an ad agency, and she was sharing a story about um, she was hosting an event, and she was in charge of event, and she was in charge of you know uh, basically giving people specific functions and specific roles in this event. And she said, you know, she said in leading a meeting to actually make sure this event can happen. She said, all right, we're going to place bodies here in the front. We're going to place bodies here in the registration booth. We're going to place bodies here to host people that are coming in. We're going to need bodies here to guide people to, to their seats. And then she said, she, as she was reflecting this, like, wow, these are people. They're not just bodies. I don't need just bodies to, to fit a specific function, to, to feel and, and to, 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 to do a specific role. They're people. They're people behind this. People, we value people over all things, church. We're more intentional about, like, I, I, we want to know how was your week first. How are you doing? How are you doing? Before plugging you into ministry, before plugging you into meet specific demands that we have, and there's so many, but before all that, we've been intentional about this. About valuing your health. How are you doing? You know, is 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 what you're doing at church over like burdening you? Is it is it a task that you're here to complete? No. Then let go of what you're doing here and just and just enjoy being with God. You know, our church has many needs. We need people in the kids ministry. We need people in multimedia. We need more people in worship. We we need people to, you know, host others, but those are secondary. Those things will come. And those things will flow out of a place of belonging in Christ. Because what is most important is how are you doing? How are you doing, Milty, Elaine? How are you doing? Are you good with God? How was your week? How was your week? We're not just about fitting people in specific functions. You know, when people actually are able to serve out of a place of belonging, then they will serve passionately, with love, with intention. Does that make sense? So we're going back to the essence of a simpler gospel. Forget all of the needs and the tasks. Let's value what's actually important, church. Let's value what's actually important. Let's value God and let's value people. And so we value people over programs and things and events. And our love is directed toward the people in our home, the people of our church family, the people in our workplace, and the people of our community. You see, the core of this is love. It's all breathed out by love. Love that comes from the Father so that we can actually mimic and image God and, and breathe it out towards others and act, act it out towards others. And so, the verse or the passage that we're going to read out of today is Luke 19. Chapter 1 through 10. It's pretty funny. Take a little... Um, Luke 19, 1 through 10. The person that perfectly lived this out is Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus just loving on people. He just loved on people. He understood this. And there's so many passages that we can use. I chose this one because my wife suggested it. And you got to obey the boss. <laughs> Luke 19, chapter 1 through 10 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Say Zacchaeus. So he came down at once and welcomed him him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How scandalous. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this morning where we are gathered here just to worship you with brothers and sisters in Christ. And I just pray one thing, Lord, and it's simple that your word may speak deeply into our hearts, Father, and may challenge us to live in a different way than the way that we are living now. And that we may take from these practical steps that we need to apply in our day-to-day so that this really may become full and true in our lives, Father. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. And often in the Gospels you'll see this tax collector. So you, you know that he is the enemy. You know that there's something wrong with him. Because no one loves paying taxes. I I, I get my paycheck, and I look at like I look at the starting amount, and then I see the taxes, and I see what's left. Like Lord, have mercy over my soul. Lord, have mercy. And and what you don't, maybe you don't know. And some of you, I, I imagine most of you, actually read the story or have heard about it, but. In that day, a tax collector was actually someone that was chosen from the actual people group. So the Roman Empire had this brilliant idea. He said, instead of bringing someone secondary who doesn't really know the community, I'm going to choose someone out of the community to actually collect my taxes for me. And why would they be incentivized to do that? Because they can tax people more, keep the difference, and give a little bit to to the you know what's left over to the to the Roman Empire, so that's what he did. He was chosen from it's like it's like the IRS comes here and chooses one of you to tax the rest of us. I'd be I'd be I'd be upset about that. And you're taxing us forty percent, whereas you know maybe the IRS actually is requiring twenty five percent. And so this guy was a thief, and he was a traitor. He was a thief, and he was a traitor to his own people. It's important to understand the context of the passage before we dive deep into it. But Jesus calls him out by name. Jesus doesn't say, hey, tax collector. Hey, short guy. He looks up at, the, at this tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down first thing we get from this passage is that Jesus values the person and not the title. Jesus values the person and not the title. Jesus didn't care that he was a thief, that he was a traitor. He called him out by name. He called him out by name. And you know, often I think we forget what the marginalized people really are, what that actually means. Often we think, you know, our goal is to just help the poor. And that's true. We need to help the poor. We need to give more. And there's plenty of Bible passages that, that say that. But we can we can focus our attention too much on on just the external, the titles, and not get to the person behind the title, not get to the person behind the category. We try to categorize too much, and we forget that there's a person behind that. Often, sometimes the rich and wealthy can also be the marginalized. Do you understand that? The rich and wealthy people can also be the marginalized people in our society. (laughs) You know, sometimes we look at celebrities and they become so idolized that we forget that there's a person behind that. There's a person behind that celebrity. There's a person that's willing to love, that desires love, that desires affection, desires acceptance. They become just an idol, someone that we judge, someone that we shun, that we, we look down on, or that we idolize too much and that we love too much and we forget there's a person there that God loves, that, is, that, that God died for, that Jesus died for. And so when human faults become to appear behind this idol and that they actually start to show their humanity, we can judge them, and we can point a finger and say, no, go back to being the idol you once were. Does that make sense? Two days ago, we learned about the death of um, an artist that I actually listened to, Avicii. Um, you know, I've listened to a couple of his songs. He's like a music director or a music producer from Sweden. Um, he's kind of a DJ, EDM, you know, Caucasians type stuff. Um, and, you know, this guy was 28 years old. And I was, when I found out about it, I was on, it was on Friday, I was at work, and I just, I remember reflecting, like, man. This kid was 28 years old and he had a really big problem with drugs and alcohol. And while the cause of death is kind of uncertain, it, it's not clear. He did have problems that generated from from over, you know, for from too much consumption of alcohol. And that is likely what led to to his death. And so when I heard about this, and the question to us is, when you hear about these stories about people that are in the spotlight and they die because of things, you know, that they did, do you say they deserved it? Do you say, wow, another one bites the dust because they were too stupid? Does religion kick in and take the place of understanding this is a person that could have been loved by God? that was loved by God, but that just didn't have access or didn't realize the love that was accessible to him. You know, one of his lyrics says, in Wake Me Up, says, feeling my way through the darkness, guided by a beating heart. I can't tell where the journey will end, but I know where to start. They tell me I'm too young to understand. They say I'm caught up in a dream. Well, life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes. Well, that's fine by me. And then he says, so wake me up when it's all over. When I'm wiser and I'm older, all this time I was finding myself and I didn't know I was lost. And I and I read those lyrics again and I heard that song again and I was like, "Lord, have mercy." Lord have mercy. Over people that we idolize, over people that we put on a pedestal and and they just need you just like I need you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord, teach them your ways, Lord. Give them access to you somehow. put someone there, do some, I don't know, but there, there was a sense of like, you know, like anxiety that came over me, like, Lord. And, and this, these lyrics are clear. He, there's a sense of lost and hopelessness and, 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 and lost dreams, and, and, and he just didn't know you, Lord. So many people are dying, no, not knowing the love of the Father. So many people die without having an understanding of who they are in God and who they are in Jesus Christ and, and that Jesus Christ came to actually image the Father and show us that God loves us. In his book, Translating God, um, my boy... Someone I respect a lot, Sean Bolts, he, he, Bolt, he talks about a, a, um, an experience that he had with a pop singer. And I've shared this before, but I, I want it to sink in as we, we we dive deep into this value. I want this to sink into our hearts. And that we may be confronted with the people that we marginalize, the people that we look down on, the people that we categorize, and we don't fully understand and accept their humanity and understand that God died for them the same way he died for us and so he says he talks about an experience that he had with a friend of his that works in the entertainment industry this guy was a drug addict until um, a year back and he said he radically gave his life to Jesus and he went went to reconnect with one of his clients who happened to be one of the most famous pop singers in the world and he was invited to a backstage party and you know, you know this backstage party had all sorts of things. Drugs, there were alcohol, there's people doing all sorts of things. And he didn't get involved in any of it. And this pop singer noticed it. And she said, what's wrong? You know, he's normally in the middle of it all. She's like, what's wrong with you? And she, she wasn't using drugs herself. But the guy said, this is going to sound weird, cliche, but I actually met Jesus. And I've been sober for over a year, and I'm the happiest I've ever been. And immediately this lady smiled and wanted to tell, you know, he wanted him to tell her everything. Right then and there, she had the opportunity to share his whole testimony with her. And in the end of it all, she said, this is the most spiritual and real pursuit journey that I've ever heard. She said, I'm not ready to become a Christian, but will you pray with me that I have an encounter with God in a real way, the same way that you have? And so Sean Bowles, in saying this, he says he fast-forwarded to a conference where he was he was listening to a very well-known speaker. He didn't know him personally, but he knew of him. And he says he went to a session, and, and the guy was amazing. He was just spitting knowledge, and he was awesome. But then there's one thing that he said. He said there's a very well-known pop singer, and you might know her name, and he named her. And in the book, he doesn't name the person, not to expose her. But he says she... And this guy says she is responsible for the immorality in the younger generation and God is going to judge her. And he says, immediately I disengaged from his entire service and I was screaming, no, in my heart. I wanted to jump up and say, she she just doesn't know the love of God. Don't talk about her because she is close. If she heard what you were saying, she would think God hates her just because you do. You see, we're supposed to represent the image of God to others but when that image is distorted, people just think and, and begin to see God the way that we represent him, not the way that he actually is. And this, sticks, this hits home to me because we're starting with probably, you know, probably in a place that is not normal for us to talk about. But, but really we're trying to get at the heart of like, who are we judging before getting to know them? People in the street, who are you judging based on their attire, based on even their words, based on their actions? Who are you judging first before developing a relationship with? That is at the heart of prejudice. It's prejudging. You have no idea who the person is, but just because of what they look like, what, what clothes they wear, the people that they hang out with, you judge them and impose your categories on them. And Sean Bowles concludes saying, you will never have authority over that you do not love. You will never have authority over what you do not love. Church, we will never have authority if we don't love people this way. There's no power from God that's separated from love. If you want to have influence, you have to join yourself to his love nature. There's more than a feeling of emo- or emotion. It's an attitude of acceptance toward everyone and everything that is God's. Even if you can't control it, manage it, or even nurture it. You are called to love. We are called to love. And so Jesus values the person, not the title. Second thing we learn is that Jesus values relationship over people's opinions. Jesus values relationships over people's opinions. Jesus values relationship over religious people's opinions. He says, Zacchaeus, came, come down immediately, Jesus says. I must stay at your house today. And he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You see, I'm willing to bet that Zacchaeus probably climbed that tree simply because he was short. <laughs> I don't think he was climbing it just as, like, I want to be saved. He was climbing it just because he literally couldn't see, and he wanted to see what the commotion was all about. But Jesus knew his heart, and so if if someone had come up to Zacchaeus and said, "Zacchaeus, you are a sinner. You need to be. You need to repent. You need salvation." He'd immediately say, "Man, I'm wealthy. I don't need that. (laughs) Like, who are you? I'm I'm the boss around here. Who are you to say that to me?" And often we come with this religious doctrine and religious, you know, words and just spew out judgmental ideas towards people, thinking that that's what they need to know. But instead, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your home, Zacchaeus. I want to eat with you, and this here in this culture, especially, man, he wants to. You know, when you eat at someone's home, you're inviting them into a, a relationship with you. There's a sense of like, like acceptance there. Jesus valued the relationship over what, what the people thought. And he knew that this would be scandalous, but he didn't care because he had he had to speak to Zacchaeus and he wanted to dine with him. And he wanted Zacchaeus to know that he doesn't see his title, he doesn't see what other people see, he sees his heart. Rick Warren in his book, What, Am, what on Earth Am I Here For? He says, love leaves a legacy. How you treat other people, not your wealth or accomplishments, is the most enduring impact we can leave on earth. As Mother Teresa said, it's not what you do, but how much you love or how much love you put into it that actually matters. What you do doesn't matter. How much love you put into it is what matters. Love is a secret of a lasting heritage. Rick Warren says, I've been at the bedside of many people in their final moments, and when they stand on the edge of eternity... I've never heard anyone say, bring me my diplomas. I want to look at them one more time. Show me my awards. Show me my medals. Show me the gold watch I was given. When life on earth is ending, people don't surround themselves with objects. What we want around us is people. People we love and have relationships with. In our final moments, we realize that relationships are what life is all about. Wisdom is learning that truth sooner rather than later. Don't wait until you're on your deathbed to figure out that nothing matters more. Knowing that one day you will stand before God, here are some questions that we need to consider. First, how will you explain those times when projects or things were more important to you than other people? Who do you need to start spending more time with? Today, who do you need to start spending more time with? What do you need to cut out of your schedule to make this possible? In the crazy schedule that we have, what sacrifices do we need we need to make? And he ends saying the best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time, and the best time to love is now. Life is about love. And and, and let that sink in. I like to pause at certain times and when I'm speaking because Sometimes there's a lot of information to digest and thrown out there. Just, just consider this. The best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time, and the best time to love is now. Relationships are what Jesus is all about. Relationship is what life is all about. Relationship is so much more important than things, than tasks. Who do you need to make time with? Who do you need to reconcile with? Why are you pushing it away? Why are you delaying putting time on someone's calendar just to be with them? That is what life is all about. And Jesus mirrored that to the utmost. And as we get close to the, to the end here, last thing we see here is that Jesus' mission... Is simple. Reconcile people to the Father. Last verse says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Paul in Second Corinthians just breaks this down so good. He says, We are in the ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians five, sixteen through twenty says, He says, From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Even though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen, church? We'll see in this passage that something happened in this conversation that that, that Zacchaeus had with with Jesus, and we don't know anything. Uh, there's no like clear timeline. Like we don't know if Zacchaeus just blurted out immediately as he came down, or if he actually went to his home and Jesus had a session with him. And everything implies that you know this was actually sp- spoken in the actual home of Zacchaeus, but. The point is not what Jesus said. The point is just his actions of calling him out and saying, I want to, I want to dine with you. That is, that is why we don't see any details here because we realize that after this moment, there was a sense of maybe like an emotional exuberance that Zacchaeus had to, had to demonstrate where he's like, wow, this guy doesn't really know me. Maybe he knows of me. He calls me by his name. He knows that I'm a tax collector. He knows I betrayed the people. He knows I am a thief. But he came to dine with me. And so in a burst of emotion, he said, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to give back four times what I stole. And you know he stole a lot. And he's giving four times that. It's like the inverse of taxation. I often did, I, I like, you know, my mind was like, did he have enough? <laughs> like, what if all of his money was stolen? It's like, How does that work? Anyway, but the point is that he was so impacted by by Jesus' loving response to him, that Jesus didn't, didn't title him, didn't categorize him, he just loved him. He just wanted to have a relationship with him. And as a reaction to that re- relationship, he was just like, Man, I screwed up. Jesus didn't tell him that he screwed up. Jesus didn't need to tell him that he screwed up. You see, every person has a deep, inner, spiritual longing to know God personally. Even if they don't know it. But this is a longing that will satisfy them forever. And they go and look for these things in different places, you know. They try to find joy in this different places. We often try to find joy in different places. And so they don't need to really be told of the wrongdoing oftentimes. They kind of know that there's something missing. We know that there's something missing. I know that on a Monday morning, when I wake up and I go to my job... I'm like, Lord, is this what you created me for? (laughs) Is this the end all and be all of of my purpose? Like, there's something, like, I I, I appreciate it. I'm learning, but it's like, there's more to life than this, you know? You understand what I'm saying? You realize that, like, I'm not just living to complete a certain number of tasks so I can have enough money or savings to retire There's more to life than that. And and I think in general, people acknowledge that and people know that. We don't need to keep telling or reminding them of that. But the problem is we're often harsher judges than God himself. Uh, The problem is oftentimes the evil that we see in others, it raises up a, a righteousness and an anger in our lives and this religion just plagues our minds and we're like, we pound our gavels and we're saying, you need to do. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop. Do, turn away. Turn away, and we don't. We forget to just hear their stories. We forget to just ask them, "How are you? Where do you come from?" We forget to put ourselves in their shoes and just like, man, why are you like this? Maybe there's a reason. I've been, you know, I follow Justin Bieber on Instagram because I'm a. Uh, I'm just fascinated by what God's doing in his life. Can I say that? I'm, I'm a, you know, he's a Christ believer. That's I did there. I'm fascinated. I, and I don't agree with a lot of the antics. But, like, man, he posts a video with, what is it, 12 million followers that he has? Of him just worshiping to Hillsong songs. Hillsong song is always amazing. Hillsong song. I don't think they thought of that through. Um Hillsong music. And and like wow, he's actually impacting people with the platform that he was he was put there for. And am I going to look at him and judge him for the, you know, the no. Do your thing. I'm a believer. Do your thing, Justin. Amen church. <laughs> I'm going to finalize with this, and the band can start coming up. Another excerpt from Jesus Is by Judah Smith, our boy Judah. He says, sometimes we're often outright rude when we interact with people. We meet people who we think are sinful. We're doing things that we don't agree with. And we think we have the obligation and the right to warn them what God thinks about their sexuality, what God thinks about what they're doing. On our first meeting, we think it is our right, we think it is our obligation to tell people the wrong things that they were doing and and what God thinks about how they're doing it and what they're doing. As if their sex life or their actions is the first thing on God's agenda. Can I tell you something? It's not. (laughs) It's not the first thing on God's agenda. Love is, grace is, mercy is, Jesus is. And he says, I'll be honest, I would be ticked if someone I hardly knew presumed to meddle with my personal life. And I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to be understanding and gracious and humble. I'd tell that person to mind his own business. I'm fine how I am, thank you very much. Then I'd write him off as a wacko and avoid him like a prostate exam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> again I'm not saying sin doesn't matter especially if we're dealing with someone who might be harming others but when sin becomes more important than the sinner then an alarm needs to go off in our heads you see all, he says all, all people have seen is a Jesus who glares down from the ceiling of cathedrals or hangs bloodied on a cross they heard he was a good man a good religious teacher but do they know How he is a friend of sinners? (laughs) Do they know that he's not mad at them? That he lived on earth and understands what they are going through? Do they know that he is here to help? Do people know that? Let that sink in, church. People need to know Jesus. And so what's our conclusion here? Our conclusion is we love all people because Jesus loves all people. We love all people because Jesus loves all people. And we love all people because we are loved. Eric said a word that I wrote down as well. In 1 John he says, Friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We are no better than anyone else. We are no better. Can we stop judging? Please, can we stop judging others? We're no better. The same love and mercy that that they depend on, we've depended on, and we depend on every single day. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not. You know I'm not good enough. But I'm loved. I'm accepted. So our love for others flows out of a place of belonging of who we are in Christ Jesus. Let's end with this song.